Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Five o'clock hours here. We're heading to a six o'clock start for the Kevin Kruger radio show right here on ESPN Las Vegas. It's 1100 and 100.9 FM. John Sandler, Curtis Terry, and the coach at Bailiwick inside the Orleans. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. Adam Hill across the way. Cofield. Good news for one of our hometown heroes, O.J. Simpson. Fantasy playoffs? A, quote, completely free man as parole ends in our state, which could mean that we're all free of O.J. I think that was a big reason that he stayed in Nevada and in Las Vegas. He looks like he's having a hell of a time at the golf course with his videos that he shoots, hanging out at DTS. You know what? All this same stuff is available and it won't be 50 degrees on December 14th. OJ, time to head to Florida, brother. You're free. Go wherever you want, OJ. Will he take any of us up on our plea to get out? I want him to stay around. I think you do. I was he, at, after all, he is a hometown hero. I was out in DS last night, and I was, I was looking around for him. DS or DTS? I think I'm losing this battle. First of all, it is DS. Downtown is one word. Uh, but there are signs all over DS that say, like, DTS parking only. Like, oh, is that right? Good. It's, there, it, downtown is one word. It's DS. But no, OJ, I did not. If OJ was out last night, I didn't see him. Um, I would have I told him congratulations on uh, reaching, the end of, reaching the end of his sentencing. Quote, Mr. Simpson is a completely free man now, said Malcolm Laverne. Following up on that. Malcolm, a local attorney, said nothing, which is par for the course. Our buddy, Malcolm Laverne. Our pal. Yes. I think he still follows me. I should DM him. Is that right? Yeah, I'm sure he'll give you a a nice response. Sure. Really built his name, being so loquacious in the market. He's very very outspoken. Yes. That's kind of your job as an attorney. He's doing Uh, a good job. Let's let's be honest. Your objectivity on OJ is a little bit skewed because as we dropped in there a couple of times, your, your life's goal at this point, there aren't many. Uh, just to work every day, but also to be in that fantasy league with OJ. And if he's in Florida, you, you're probably not going to be in the league with him. So why don't you just crash the draft next year? You know where it is. Up in, like, hey, you guys need an extra? Yeah. I need to bring somebody else, though, because you yeah, can't have one person. Bring two and, like, uh, I don't know. I mean, you're so confident you can destroy that league. Yeah. Like, who knows what their entry fee is. Try to, you know, bring, bring like, two grand with you and go, all right, we're in. Although, this, let's go. I'm not going to feel so confident after this year. Well, have you fallen apart? No, I think I'm. Of 21 leagues, I think I'm playoffs in 18. But, like, none of them are looking promising for the playoffs. Like, I I did so much. Good. I did so much um, tweaking throughout the year to win every week. Like, I was definitely a regular season wonder this year. Of just winning game, like, scraping by whatever I could to win. Not keeping in mind what it would take to actually win once you get to the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too thrilled about the postseason coming up. Number four. Have you crunched the numbers and used your analytics base to put together your fantasy football team? Yeah, sort of. You're in 21 leagues. Generally, you make 
playoffs in like 75 or 80% of the leagues. I'm sure over the years as well, you've learned, you've adjusted. You know, as you get older, you have to be open to these things. But you know what? If you're Phil Sims and you've never been that swift, you're proud of not being that swift. And all this mumbo jumbo about two-point conversions and the sheet and the analytics, he'll have none of it. People come up and do the interview after the game. Tell me why you did it. Let me hear that explanation. You know, it changes when you're down two scores. The other team, as you said, Bill, they change their play calling and how they direct the game. So we don't put that into the analytics. I don't think. I don't know. I don't care. There you go. We put that in the analytics. I don't so think. Dumb. I don't care. That's like, like that is Phil Sims in a nutshell. Bruh, you got a 10 on the wonder lick. At that point, there's an indication. You got to grow and learn. Come on. It's freaking 40 years later. And you're, you're like, you're still like, I don't want to hear anything. Why? So what, what, he, what he was talking about there is that by, because Harbaugh said, you're going to have to go for two eventually. So you go for it. Well, you know, the first realization that you're going to need it at some point, frankly, I think you and I believe go for two every freaking time. Yeah. Um, but Harbaugh explained it. He's an analytics guy. By the way, are they separated by like seven years in age? Like you would think it's freaking some 26-year-old wunderkind you know, coaching in the NFL and, you know, Phil Sims is 94 years old. Like it's you're, not not, about, you're not separated. Well, go ahead, say it. It's not about age, though. No. It's about an intellect. Yep. He's, first of all, I, I don't think Phil Sims should – Try to study. He doesn't have room for anything else in his brain anyway. Like, why don't don't ruin it by actually studying math and learning math and understanding that that's a thing. Also, good lord, you're an idiot because you're you're actually making the case for going for two mm-hmm. when you say this mm-hmm. because he's like teams are gonna are gonna defend you differently. Right. Yeah, you're, you're that means you're going to probably play prevent and allow you to score is what you're saying instead of really 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 trying to stop. By you. the way, on offense. I, I actually thought he was talking about the opposing team's offense, that they will get sure. more aggressive. Good. Yeah. That also helps you. Sure it does. It, it, the whole, it's so silly. For, and and I, I, like, I've been. I don't know, and I don't care. Okay, well, that's the end of the argument if you're not willing to freaking learn. It's tough to explain. I, I actually was, I, I, there's a, and I always forget to, there, there's a guy who does a, a analytics podcast uh, for PFF who is incredible, and he's really good at just saying it, saying things simply, because a lot of times it's hard to explain. Right, right. But, he does really a job of it. I can't really explain this because I keep trying to explain it to people and they won't get it. But going for two as early as possible because they're like, if you're not, say you're down 15, right? If you're going to score twice, you're going to have to go for two at least one of the times. I would say you go for two both times because you're trying to win the game. But either way, say you're just trying to tie it. You're going to have to go for two at, at one point. And that's what the situation the Ravens were in. They were down 15, got it to nine. They went for the two to get it to seven. And it was like, well, now you're down two scores. Yeah, I'd like to know that I need two scores. Because if you're down one score, you're kind of playing for like, okay, well, we just have to get the ball one time and go mm-hmm. score. If you're down two scores, you know you're going to have to get it twice. Right. So it does change there how you play. There is a recourse at the end of the game, late right. in the game. If you don't get it, there's no way to back it up now. So now you now the, the clock has been squandered. So I'd rather know that I need to score twice at that point. Yeah. So that adds more reason to go and then for it. The worst part about this discussion, this was on uh, the, the postgame show on what CBS, is that unfortunately now you've got a whole group and there's not one outlier who's actually going to do a little bit of critical thinking and go, Phil, you just said you don't know and you don't care. I mean, that is really ignorant. Then everyone just jumps in and they're like, yeah, he's right. Before we leave that point, I would love to see that's a great idea to have somebody who is in well, charge of the analytics. Yeah. No, to we- have that conversation afterwards to talk about the other aspects of the game. No, here it is. Here's the whole thing. Well, analytics told me to do it. Yeah. All right, next question. 
Wow. That's what we see. Yeah, they'll show time. you a spreadsheet and There's say, never any explanation of why, why and all decision. these things that can happen. So paralysis by analysis, we overanalyze things. It's not that hard. We need to analyze things. Yeah. This there's so much in there. Uh, first of all, Nate Burleson, you know, Reno guy. Um Cower, like this old school mentality. And this, this goes back to a discussion. I'm not sure how many people had this discussion, but I'm fascinated by it. Well, we came up with it. Um, but this whole big galute versus the young nerd. Like, who do you hire as your coach? Now, I'm not saying Dan Campbell is an idiot and doesn't use analytics at all, but so far the results have sucked, right? <laughs> but it's like, hey, do you go with the, the, uh, the feel guy? You know, I feel this way. It's a gut this and that. Or do you go with the guy who's a little non-traditional, like Brandon Staley, where you're like, eh, where was he? he was John Carroll University? I mean, the same thing with the, this Dan Lanning guy. I mean, he, the, the Oregon just hired him. He may turn out to be a great coach. But, like, the whole, hey, we have to get a guy who who played the game at the highest level and is rough and tumble and, you know, doesn't want to overthink things. Like, I think you might want to start going in either direction because you're going to get outsmarted. More often than not, if you do the right thing by the numbers, those teams are going to win. Yeah, and that's, that's the whole thing. Like, because I love when when something doesn't work out, something that's analytically sound doesn't work out. People are like, yeah. see, well, like it's not. It, there's no guarantee. You're playing the percentages. You're getting the percentages in your favor. It's very much like poker, for those that understand that game. But you're you're if you play to get the percentages in your favor enough, it's going to work out in the long run. And that's what you're hoping for when you're making sound analytic decisions. This and by the way, here's the other thing. People people talk about quote unquote analytics like it's going for two in certain situations like everything is is measurable and everything is math about the game no understanding your third down conversion rate is analytics like these guys think of like oh we just you got to get it on third down like analytics uh all these things are like any mathematical measurement in a game is analytics it's not just the new age thinking all that is is hey we have figured out what is the most likely scenario for you to win a game that's what this is telling you. So it's more like advanced analytics than anything if you want to really get technical about it. But yeah, if you do it, if you do it and put it in your put the percentages in your favor enough, it's going to work out in the long run. And Phil Sims is just a more. Can I just can I draw one one more thing that I was thinking of on this? When you look at, and I don't want to personally attack them, but I will. Um, when you look at Phil Sims and Boomer Siason specifically, are they not like the the picture? You know what? Just go to Revenge of the Nerds. Are they not both Stan? The quarter, the blonde quarterback, right? They're not ogre because they didn't play uh, on the line. But aren't they essentially Stan, where it's just like, oh, here come the nerds, let's beat them up, right? Wasn't there? By the way, was Opie and Anthony? Was didn't Anthony? Did he go to high school? The one host on Opie and Anthony didn't go to high school with Boomer Sign and say like say that Boomer just like tortured him all the time. I believe so. Was like a giant bully. Yes. Like the, these are the guys who in high school they're like, you know, I don't, you know, I don't like, I don't want to learn, you know, numbers, <laughs> and push push the nerd in the face like. Guys, you can't stop it, man. It, it's like it's as amazing. much as you hate it. Like I said, like there's, I'm sure there's a lot of teams in the league right now who are like, and, and Brandon Staley has a benefit of having Justin Herbert. That changes a lot, but there's, I'm sure there's a lot of coaches who are like, we want one of those, you know, because they already want one of the boy genius in McVay. Like we want one of those, and, the, and those guys, those guys do, they handle things similarly. Like they, they both practice, uh, and and Harbaugh has done a good job of it too. And but by the way. Like, they're also wrong about that. Do they not pay attention at all to what's going on? Because Harbaugh, after the game, what was their, their quote there? Like, after the game, 
You don't even answer. You just say, analytics told me to. I don't have he an answer, answer for this. He did. He said they had run out of defensive backs. They had nobody to play defensive back. So what were they going to do going over time? Try to win the game right now with our offense because, first of all, the math tells you to do it. Second of all, we can't play defense in overtime. Why are we trying to go to overtime? So he did answer the question. So what are you even talking about? Number three. Is it time for Rick Spasaccia to go with a bold move? Marcus Mariota in for Derek Carr. He doesn't seem to be open to that. No. And, and I listen, I think there was a reason last week for sure. I, I don't think it's going to happen anyway. I just think last week I think there was a reason. And I think oftentimes in, in a situation like the Raiders were in, which is getting blown out, offense has been stagnant for not just this game, for for a couple weeks. Things have been kind of ugly. Things are going the wrong direction. You know what happens far too often is that there's garbage time points, and there was last week. The Raiders got a touchdown late in the game when you know the Chiefs had kind of let up a little bit. So what I don't think you want is for the offense to be completely inept and do nothing, Mariota to come in and get that garbage time touchdown, and everybody's like, oh, see? See? He can-. Yes, it was not the same scenario. It's not the same situation. And Carr was able to move the ball and get those points near the end of the game. Mariota probably would have been able to do the same thing, and then people would have been like, well, he scored and Carr didn't. You don't want that situation. It's it, it's a terrible situation to be in for a team that still has whatever aspirations of making a run in the postseason. So I get it from that perspective. Um, it's weird that they keep throwing him in on random situations in the middle of the game to hand the ball off. I don't understand that unless you're setting something up down the road. Um, and I also, I think, much like with the the Golden Knights two or three games ago now, pulled Robin Leonard in a game where he had given up three goals that weren't really his fault. They take deflections. They were kind of ugly, um, just kind of weird goals. And after you know, they pulled him, and Pete DeBoer after the game said, "Yeah, I didn't like the goals going in, but really, like that's the major move you can make to kind of shake things up and and change the, change the flow of the game." Um, but you realize that you're sending you are sending that message, and you you are putting it on the goalie, even if it's not the goalie's fault. In this case, I don't I don't think they want to just say, "Well, that's Derek Carr's fault," because that's what you're saying when you make a quarterback switch like that. I don't think they want to make that determination. I know a lot of people out there are like, let's see what Mariota has. I, I can understand that aspect of it. But I also feel like it's not like, okay, we believe most of the coaching staff is going to be gone, right? I think most people are in agreement of that. We believe potentially the GM could be gone too. Derek Carr is maybe going to be gone. We don't know. But it's not like these coaches are like, let's see what Mariota has. Let's see if we can carry this into next year. What does he have for next year? What do they care? I don't think they're going to be here. So it, it, it's a whole complex situation to try to sort through. Number two. By the way, Golden Knights off to a great start. That was a four, uh, four o'clock puck drop. Four nothing yeah. on the road against the Bruins. 12 minutes left in the second. Two goals for patches. Mark so has one as well. And Shea Theodore for the goal. Patch ready is just a four nothing. Groove right now. Scoring every game. What did you think of Derek Carr after the game talking about some folks aren't working hard? <laughs> yeah. He walked it back. Okay. A little bit. Okay. Um, because he did. He said, as you're alluding to, most of the guys in that locker room are working very hard. Now, I, you, me, me you, Ari, Jeff, whoever's here. I mean, if we have 100 people listen to that comment. Most of the guys in that room are working hard. Don't you think 98 or 99 would say, well, that means some guys aren't? No. I actually don't. Really? Yeah, I don't. 
What does most of them mean? Why don't you just say well, the guys guess, in that locker room I, I are guess, working hard? I guess you you also believe that there are oftentimes there are loaded comments from Derek Carr. Yeah. That there's some messages in what he's saying. Sure, because he came back and said it again, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. It, um, by, the, by the way, if he if if there are guys who aren't working hard and he's calling them out in subtle fashion, is there anything wrong with that? No, but... but As the leader I, of the team, is there anything wrong with it? No, there's not. But what I'm saying is, when you say a comment, most of the guys are working hard... I think the vast majority of people would say, well, who isn't? Which ones aren't? If most of them are, that means somebody's not. Um, and I don't have a problem with that, but I, I think if you're going to say that, if your point is to say there's guys that aren't working hard, I think you could you could say, hey, there's some guys in there that need to look in the mirror and assess what they're doing and and try to turn things around and change things um, going forward. And, and he didn't because he kind of backed off of that. And he's like, no, I know what you guys are going to – you know, write headlines that I said most and not all. Like, yeah, of course we are, because that's what you said. Um, it, it was just a, a weird thing to say at a weird time. And something that he clearly kind of thought about, um, because he, he started to say a lot of those guys are working hard, and then he stopped. He goes, a lot of those, most of those guys. So, like, there's context to that, too, where is it a lot? Is it most? Is it all? Um, where is it at? But I'll also tell you, Derek Carr has been very emotional um, after these last couple of games. Like, there's there's clearly a lot going on. He's, uh, I think, had to hold back uh, from some of the emotions really boiling out into some of those press conferences. Um, he he said, I'm not trying to say that there's people in our locker room that don't have it or they give up. I didn't see that. Uh, I didn't see any give up. That's what he said after, you know, in response to, are you saying not everybody's working hard? Uh, but he also said that, I saw some fight in some guys that lets me know I can count on them and trust them for the most part. Like, there's a lot of qualifiers in that statement. Like, I I don't even know how to get to the bottom of. I saw I saw a lot of guys that I could trust for the most part. Sometimes, like, he's going he's all over the place with this. So it's it's a little bit um, coded. Uh, I think it's it's holding back some of what he really wants to say. Again, I saw some fight. In some guys that lets me know I can count on them and trust them for the most part. Okay. Number one. Coming up, let's uh, talk more about what the Raiders are going to do moving forward, what MD, what Mark Davis is going to do with key decisions from quarterback to GM to coach. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Quick note of the Golden Knights, goaltending is a real worry right now. It's just not good. Leonard's been very inconsistent. Brossois is the backup. You don't get good goaltending, it's going to be tough. And we'll see what happens on this road trip. I think there's, there's some worries there on that team. In they come and on the right side to Hayne out in front of shot, they score. Alex Goligoski on the delayed penalty. You are listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Our buddy Dave Cogan saying he was worried about the goaltending tonight. Just fine. 4 nothing. Golden Knights on top of the Bruins. Doesn't mean it's not going to be a problem, you know, on the short trip or the rest of the season. You worried at all? No. Okay. No. Uh, I think... I think they're, uh, first of all, I mean, as Pete Boris kind of said a couple times recently, early in the season, their offense and defense were atrocious, and Robin Leonard stole them a bunch of wins and kept them afloat. Now he's been a little inconsistent lately. Um, Leonard talked 
yes uh, days are all screwed up now uh two days ago when they had the home game um where they won the game but he wasn't great he was like i've had these before you know he's like it's awesome right now that i'm struggling a little bit and trying to find consistency and we're scoring enough goals that it doesn't matter and we're winning and i'll figure it out and peter boris did the same thing so um I, I don't even know if you'd say their their goaltending has been inconsistent. It's been struggling lately, uh, but it was so good early in the season that you know I think that uh, the Golden Knights will take that. And, and the players were saying that too. They were like, "Hey, w- you know," because I think somebody asked them, uh, Patcheretti and Mark Stone the other day. I think it was talking and saying, "Like, do you guys feel that pressure when you guys are giving up you know four or five goals? You got to score six. And they're like, "Well, early in the year we couldn't score any, and we were winning games one nothing, two nothing because of that guy. So if we have to bail him out, we're going to do it." We're on the LV Sports Network, part of four different sports radio stations. We got twelve thirty the game. That's our newest station. Fox Sports Las Vegas, Raider Nation Radio nine twenty, ESPN Las Vegas. So when you don't like what's on this show, turn us off. Right, you'll find something you might like. Maybe it's more hardcore sports. Maybe it's a different sport. Try the other channels. Uh, I listen to Fox Sports Radio all the time, and I've said I know people think he's obnoxious, but I actually think got, got, uh, Doug Gottlieb does a good show. Um, and he did an interview today with TJ Hushmanzada, who I thought had some really good things to say about the Raiders. And then there was a couple of points where I'm like, bro, you ain't watching this team. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. This time Donovan Williams deflects an inbounds pass. It's taken by McCabe. But the second unit extended the lead. Williams catch and shoot three is good. So Donovan, a great defensive play, turning into offense, and the Rebels lead 71-55. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Kevin Kruger Radio Show is on the way at 6 o'clock. We'll talk about Donovan Williams. You heard him there at 32 points for the Rebels as uh, they further develop, you know, second and third scoring options uh, who could be super reliable along with the number one option in Bryce Hamilton. So TJ Houshmanzada, the former NFL receiver, was on with Doug Gottlieb today over on our sister station, Fox Sports Las Vegas, and they got into the conversation about who should run the Raiders moving forward. If you're Mark Davis, it really depends on the belief he has in Mayock. If he believes that, because Mayock was Gruden's guy, he he brought Mayock in. If Mark Davis believes that Mayock is that guy, Mayock is going to have to go find him a head coach that he believes in. The Raiders aren't bad. They have pieces, man. They have talent like Darren Waller can play. Josh Jacobs can play. Okay. So he names a couple of the guys. I I would name some other building blocks. Uh, He then goes on to talk about one particular unit that has impressed him. That offensive line, Tom Cable has done and fat. He's done so well what was the talk oh they're trading all their guys or letting guys go this offensive line is going to be terrible they've done well why do you have that look on your face i'm not, I'm not <laughs> they've struggled well i'm not up on all the slang i get well is awful <laughs> it hasn't been good they're they're, they're 31st rated in run blocking we saw how much pre- wasn't that the uh then they get 22 pass pre- uh, pressures on or 22 pressures on Carr, the Chiefs this past week. They're like one of the high, highest numbers I like, think anyone's seen this season. It was 22 pressures on like 18 dropbacks, <laughs> like somehow multiple pressures on. Every, it was insane. So. It, it's been and here's the thing: they actually had a couple games where they were all right. They're actually like go back and look what the offensive performance has been good. It's been because the offensive line has been pretty good. 
the last couple weeks have been horrific. They've so, taken a real step back. So it's interesting. During a break, I heard uh, Adam talking to some of his newspaper people because, you know, he's always, always calling in sources. And, you know, so uh, you're getting set up to whatever stories you're going to do, right? I don't, I don't have to give away what you have coming up. Um, did anyone follow up on what was going on the other morning on Raider Nation Radio, which we, we love that station. They've got great Raiders experts over there. Uh, quote, yesterday was the first time I've seen quit and it came from the coaching staff. Hondo Carpenter. I'm sorry. Reverend Hondo Carpenter on Raider Nation Radio 920. He said, I'm not talking about their character and integrity as men. I'm not talking about their character and integrity as human beings. This is about on-field football. When you're losing 35 nothing and you're kicking field goals. Did you think the coaching staff quit on the team? No, but I will tell you. What's the, and what's the reaction to that? You know, Hondo's one of the, I mean, he's one of the big Raider voices in this town. He's on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Uh, what was the reaction over at, at the facility? That's a pretty strong comment that the coaches quit on the players. Hondo's been very caught up on the field goal at the end of the half. Um, I get it to some degree. Uh, I think it would have made a lot more sense if you were getting the ball to start the second half to kick the field goal, try to get that momentum, get, get another score, then be down 35-10. Uh, would have made more sense. I, I also I know that you know he's asked the question now multiple times of why you kicked the field goal, and um, Rich Pisaccia has basically said, you know, we needed some positive result. Um, and we also thought, hey, we're going to need a lot of scores to get back in this game. We can't have another empty possession here at the end of the first half. Uh, I, again, it's not a scenario where, you know, I, I don't know. It was they're on the seven yard line. It was third, third down with three seconds left at the seven yard line. Could you have run a play and try to score? Yeah, I probably would have preferred it, but I, I don't think that was the biggest, you know, most egregious thing that's been done. I, I, I think. The lack of effort from the defense on the last, you know, the last long touchdown run was very glaring. That was, watching on tape, that was pretty amazing. It, it, it's like that's the, when you know a team is kind of they're busted at that point. The entire defense just they're like, no. Right. If you're <laughs> if you're out. an in game better and you've got Raiders plus thirty five and a half, that's disappointing. <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry to bring that up. Uh, that was that was to it's me. A that's to me where I was like, oh boy, and I I saw it watching live. I tweeted about it live, and then I watched back on tape, and it was even worse than I thought. That was bad. So I don't and, – and if you want to make the correlation and say, hey, the players gave up because the coaching staff gave up because they kicked the field goal, I guess. But I, I think that lack of effort on that defensive play was the most troubling thing that I saw on Sunday. So tomorrow the Raiders doing some big festivities, announcing that the Super Bowl is coming here 2024. Uh, the NFL was waiting till Wednesday to announce it, but someone jumped in line and, and blew the whole uh, – no more drama. No more drama. Maybe it was one of the local papers. Uh, but – uh, detail what's detail what tomorrow includes. So <clears throat> I'm sorry. The owners' meetings are in Dallas. Yep. So that was kind of when they were planning on doing it. And then the Raiders have some festivities. They sent out a message that basically starting like somewhere in the 9:30 to 12:30 range. After 10:30, they'll be doing some kind of big announcement. And I think once it gets dark here, that's when the lights will work best. I, there's going to be some sort of show with some or maybe lots of the properties up and down the strip to commemorate the Super Bowl coming here, which hear, is cool. Good I hear, idea. I hear maybe. Maybe changing the all the marquees and ooh maybe ooh all right look at you scooping Mr. Scoop I saw that from Chris Matthews earlier oh did he say that maybe maybe not okay. I have my sources uh -huh. okay 
I don't like. I again, I don't know what is out and what's not. That's that's my issue right now. Right. So you don't know exactly. You're already accusing us of ruining the surprise by breaking the story. Yes. So. <laughs> And like it, it wasn't a big surprise as Andrea Kramer started to chastise me. Like that's what I was. That's not what I was saying to Andrea earlier. I was saying it's it's surprising when you think back as Las Vegas, longtime Las Vegas people, that we're actually getting a freaking Super Bowl. On the way, let's deal with betting with all this COVID stuff breaking out around the National Football League. Our gambling insider on Tuesdays, Sam Paniadovich from Nesson, is coming up. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Coolfield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. Rolling towards 6 o'clock. Kevin Kruger Radio Show is up next. But before we hand it off, we got to get to our Tuesday spot with Sam Peniatovich, Nesson, Fox Sports. Sam, we got a situation here, man. And it affects us from a gambling standpoint. Oh, boy. We're talking, what, about 80 players now the last two days going on the COVID list and uh, whether people want to, you know, address it or not, this is part of the equation now down the stretch. How the hell do you bet games until, you know, unless you wait until the final couple of minutes before kickoff? Yeah, I feel like we're back on a time machine here, like, you know, college football, late championship weekend. Remember, was it Ohio State Northwestern last season when uh, we were talking about this on a Tuesday at your show? I'm like, hey, Steve, there is. Breakout at Ohio State, and nobody knows about it yet. And I'll never forget that line on that Tuesday on your show. It was the Big Ten Championship. Ohio State was minus 20 and a half. And then on, you know, Friday, there was a, a rumor that there may be some COVID at Ohio State. And then on Saturday morning before kickoff, about an hour before kickoff, they go, Oh yeah, twenty-two guys are out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the line the line went all the way down to sixteen and a half, sixteen, and they, they bet it down. Then they bet Ohio State back up to about seventeen. But we are betting things. I mean, we don't know anything about anything to begin with in in the NFL or college football. But now we're handicapping COVID again and the potential for what these numbers can do once the news is actually official. But there are so many rumors, and this guy has it, and his 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 plane mate might have it, and the the whole room might have it. Now we're back to where we were. So we've already seen some games move. We'll get into them here around the NFL. Hit some bowl games in just a little bit. Uh, Chiefs got up as high as four against the Chargers. Now it's three. I think their most notable deal is uh, Chris Jones has issues with COVID. What are you doing with this game? Because obviously, you know, every Thursday game is on short notice here. Uh, both teams. Looked really good last week. I continue to buy low on Kansas City, man. I think it's been a month now you and I have been talking about this. You know, they've won, I think, six games in a row, but they've covered four in a row. And when they went back and uh, or when they went out and, and pummeled the Raiders when they were a two and a half point favorite, since that game, I think the final score was like 41 to 14 or something. Since that game, they have allowed nine points in every single game. Their defense has been amazing, but. To your point about Chris Jones, it's been the ability for opposing offenses to not be able to stop both Chris Jones and Melvin Ingram. Those two guys have been monstrous for that Kansas City front. Still lean to the Chiefs, though, because I think they have the best player in the world. And this is a number, Steve. We don't we don't usually get Kansas City minus three, man. Like that doesn't happen. Usually they're laying six and a half or seven and a half or nine or ten. 
we continue to get good numbers on Kansas City. And look, Chris Jones or not, I still think Kansas City is a better team here. I'll lay the three on Thursday night. I have no issue doing that. Uh, I saw you retweet someone probably from five or six weeks ago who was mocking on you for saying, hey, play the value now while the Chiefs are down on futures. Yeah, and then he said, well, I was just joking. Well, you know me. I keep the receipts on everybody, and I'm, I'm always ready to pounce. I'm like a tiger that hasn't eaten in a month sometimes. But Kansas City now, I mean, you look up at some of these books to win the AFC, plus 225, plus 240, plus 250. It is so paramount. And we had this conversation at Nesson last week. Uh, we got a, a listener email about, hey, I think the Patriots are a great bet to win the Super Bowl now. And I said, look. They're not. Westgate's got them at five to one. Some books have them six, seven to one. That is not a great bet given where the number opened. They're 35, 40 to one back in late August. They got up to as high as 100, 150 to one when they lost to the Buccaneers and they went one and three to start their season. Those were great bets because you got great numbers. At this point in time, man, books don't want to write any more bets on Kansas City to win the AFC or New England to win the Super Bowl. They could still win, but they're not great bets anymore because the best numbers are long behind you. Remind me, were you a Colts better on the look-ahead line? Uh, In any case, Colts-Patriots on Saturday. Uh, If you jumped on it early enough, this line has moved a lot. Yeah, you certainly have uh, seen some movement on that. I saw Indy was minus 2.5. Uh, one big offshore book this morning. Um, I, I'll say this. New England's been a very sexy team to bet on because they've won and covered seven straight. That being said, it, it always raises my eyebrows when you see all of a sudden the market start to flip on the trendy public team. And that's what you have here. New England open minus two, two and a half. And now we're Indianapolis minus two, two and a half. So that's a four and a half, five point move, depending on where you look, against Bill Belichick against the 7-0 ATS last seven games, New England Patriots. So that's alarming, man. It really is. But I think the best bet in this game, I think under is the move at 45.5. Indianapolis is going to struggle to move the football, man. The Patriots are really good on defense. They don't allow guys to run wild in the trenches, and they're the third-best defense in the league against the pass. So I I envision a world where Bill Belichick is going to stack seven guys, maybe eight guys at times in that box and make Carson Wentz beat the Patriots. Wentz has faced him one time, by the way. He was only sacked five times in that game. So Bill has his number sort of in a very small sample size, but I don't think Mack is going to have a big game. I don't think Wentz is going to have a big game. And I like these defenses a lot. I think under is the best move in this game. I like the under lean. The number's gone up. And when you start uh, looking around at sportsbooks uh, right now, 87% of the cash is on the over. So, you know, if you like to go against the public, good move there. By the way, if you went against the public this last weekend, oh boy. And you were with the sportsbooks, rough weekend. Another bloodbath. Another bloodbath. Although, as... uh, you know, it's funny that some bookmakers will say that. I did talk to a bookmaker last night who's like, they're just going to give us the money back. <laughs> That's not how it works. If you ask some of those guys like the Tony Millers of the world and the Chris Andrews of the world, they'll tell you, we don't want to give them anything. You know, like it's it's nice when the players win because it keeps the lights on and it keeps right. the, the dollars coming back in and it, it keeps the world rotating, if you know what I mean, my man. But uh, in no way do the books want the favorites. What the favorites go? 11-3 and three this week, ATS? Something like that. I think I saw eleven and two after Sunday, and then uh, obviously the the Rams win last night, and they were the right. dog. So, right. um, yeah, just another tough week 
Um, you know, but that's that's part of this part of this racket, man. That's that's why you always have to keep your unit sizes intact. You know, don't don't go from being a fifty dollar better to a two hundred dollar better overnight. This thing goes up, it goes down. It's a roller coaster, and for all the weeks where the public goes, you know, really hot, wins seventy five percent. There's going to be that week where all the dogs hit and multiple dogs win outright. We've seen it inside this season. It's yep. it's unpredictable. It's a, I mean, drop a football on the turf for next time. You don't know which way it's going to bounce, man. And that's betting the NFL sometimes. Does his podcast, uh, Chicken Dinner. It's up at Chicken X Dinner on Twitter. Of course, uh, analyst for Nesson was out here for a long time in Vegas as a, a gambling expert at Sam Paniotovich. Ooh. Betting into the COVID numbers, be careful, because last night I, I kind of jerked around. I bet on the Cardinals, you know, once I found out that Ramsey was out, that didn't work out. I bet the over because I was basing it on the story or the tweets about Carl Cheffers and his uh, and his his officiating crew being uh, hyper officious and calling lots of penalties. So I was like, oh, this is going to go over. I barely got the over, so I went on splitting. It wasn't a parlay. So when we're betting into COVID numbers, uh, right now there's an absolute freak out with the Browns. The Browns were on Monday as high as six and a half of one book over the Raiders. The line is now down to three, Sam. Is this a bit of an overreaction? Yes, but it doesn't mean that it's bombs away on the Raiders, right? right I mean, I right. you know, I, I get nervous, Steve, when I I think the most important position in football, aside from quarterback, is offensive line. I think the offensive line is is way more important than anybody cares to admit. Hell, ask the Kansas City Chiefs the Super Bowl last year how important the offensive line was. They, they couldn't stop Tampa Bay. They were just walking through the line of scrimmage all day. Um, I, I saw it. Didn't I see that every Cleveland offensive lineman might not play? You know, that's that's a big deal. So I, I don't know that I love uh, the side in this game. And how about that total? That total opened 44. Now we're at 40. Um, I, not to mention, you think about you know Saturday night in Cleveland with the wind off the lake. If that picks up, I mean, start looking at those weather reports. You know, late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning. See what the forecast is on Saturday. If there are big winds, like 20, 25 mile an hour winds, we could see this total keep running. It might go down 39, 38, 37 and a half because uh, the wise guys will start betting these totals like four or five days out when they see an advanced forecast like that with a lot of wind. So my lean would be to the under. Um, it's tough to go under 40, I know, because a pick six or a fumble six, you're sort of screwed no matter what. There's, a, there's not a lot of wiggle room when you go under a low number like that, but 40 still might not be low enough. Yeah, I think the other thing to look for down the stretch here with four games left are the teams that are dead men walking, and I'm not entirely sure that the Raiders aren't one of those teams. Uh, so we'll see how the Raiders respond. I mean, this is it. They're 6-7. and seven. They've got to freaking win a game. They've got to show some pride. you got to play the whole 60 minutes. Um, the crazy one is I think a lot of people would say, hey, the Texans and the Jaguars are both dead men walking, but they're playing each other. So what the hell do you do in that game? That's slop fest with the Jags. The Jags minus three? I don't bet it. I don't watch it. I don't even want to talk about it. Do we have to? I mean, come on. You got a problem if you're betting Houston, Jacksonville, brother. Oh, I think I might take the Texans. Why? Uh, because I think the dysfunction on the Jag side, I wonder what's going to happen down the stretch here. More and more people are starting to leak stuff out about Urban Meyer and the stupid things he's saying, the blame game that he's placing on everyone else but himself. Uh, but you're right. It's very dangerous because, you know, all of a sudden you're talking, you're putting uh, some hard-earned money on uh, one guy who I don't think they're using the right way or they're not developing in Trevor Lawrence. And then uh, Davis Mills, I think he's shown some signs, but do you want to bet on quarterbacks like that? I don't. How about this? I'll give you something since I gave you nothing on that response, and hey, I apologize. Yeah. I, love to, I love to give you some sauce when I speak. <laughs> 
Here's something you want to write down. The last 11 seasons, Jacksonville Jaguar win totals, the over 1 in 10. So if you Holy just crap. bet $500 on every Jaguars win total under, you would be up a lot of money. 10 unders and one over last 11 seasons. It's that simple. Just fade them. Right. How about the uh, how about the college game, Army Navy? If you started betting what a hundred bucks sixteen years ago, it's gone under sixteen years in a row. You just roll it over, easy, easy peasy, man. This is the way betting works. You're uh, you're up three point four million dollars right now. I've talked to a guy who was literally bet the over in seven straight years, only because it's due. Oh, yeah. He said, "I'm going to keep doing it too because I know when I stop, it's going to go over." Right, right, right. Like he, he knows when he th- so forget that he's zero and six or zero and seven in the last you know six or seven games. He only cares about the one win, so that will justify all of that losing because that's what we call a personal mission. You you have to be right eventually, even though you're wrong. They were way more than you're right. This guy's uh, all about black and red on the uh, roulette table. <laughs> right? There's no way it could be red again. There's no way. Red 22. <laughs> yes. All right, what are we doing this week? We got anything with some of the uh, hardcore plays here with college bowl season open up on Friday and Saturday? Look, I haven't I haven't done much this weekend. I, I told you that I'm very proud of my uh, closing line value trophies that I will get on Western Michigan. Uh, we grabbed that at plus six. Now it's minus three and a half. So I'm, I'm already taking my victory lap on that one. And uh, the only other bet we've made so far is uh oh geez um totally cramping here on the side oh we, we went against pittsburgh no with kenny pickett we found out the picket likely wasn't going to play so we took three uh with michigan state now sparty's favored by one and a half i can tell you that this weekend there's been some big money on coastal carolina man and especially when you look at where that number has crossed through like to open eight and a half nine and now be sitting ten and a half eleven i know ten's not the most key number in college football but that's a pretty nice move there and i talked to a couple guys in vegas they took some pretty big bets on coastal carolina uh they laid nine and a half and they laid ten um i don't i'm not too nervous of the ten and a half and and that'll be a game too that game is on friday night by the time we get to kickoff steve if you want to bet coastal carolina i'll tell you right now it's not going to be ten and a half I expect to see some 11 and a half, maybe some 12. Uh, and then I know that there's uh, there's some decent money coming in on UTEP on Saturday. That's in the New Mexico Bowl in lovely Albuquerque, New Mexico. They took 13 and a half. They took 13. They took 12. Uh, Fresno State's the favorite there, but there's some money for sure coming in on the minors. Yeah, I wish we had the uh, snitch inside the Hawaii program to know uh, how many of those players don't like Todd Graham at the, and that their starting quarterback would bail because that number's jumped all the way through seven. Oh, Jeff Davis, we were talking about this a week ago. He's over at Circa, and he was sending me snippets of, like, newspapers in Hawaii. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, it's not fun playing football there. Yeah, I think we talked about this last Tuesday. Wasn't Memphis minus three and a half? Yep. And and Northern minus seven. seven. Yeah, it was seven and a half. You're right. Seven and a half Circa, Westgate. Seven and a half uh, at Wynn, at Pinnacle. Yeah, it's it's jumped. And, And I'll tell you what, it's very important. The information is out there for you. Do your research. All of these beat writers, all of these reporters, they put this information out there for you to read. It's never been easier for the better to get your hands on information. It's not like 1978 or 1985 when you had to get the paper delivered from Pittsburgh and Chicago to find out about what's going on in Pittsburgh. You can find all of this stuff. Twitter is your friend as a sports better. All you have to do is search Memphis Tigers or Hawaii Warriors, and you'll be surprised on some of the information you could find from verified checkmark sources. There you go. Sammy, appreciate it. Have a good week. We'll talk to you next week. All right, my friend. We'll see you. Sam Paniotovich, our gambling insider. 
helping us out here on a Tuesday. Coming up next, Kevin Kruger radio show live at Bailiwick inside the Orleans. You can send questions right now and they'll uh, hopefully get on the air. They will get on the air. We'll talk to John Sandler about it at UNLV on the radio. You can also go down, go down to Bailiwick and you can talk to the coach and ask a question down inside the Orleans. Thanks to Battleborn Injury Alerts for housing the show today. We appreciate that. 5709000 is the number here at Battleborn Injury Alerts. Thanks to Ari for uh, booking all the great guests today. For Adam Hill, it's Cofield coming up next. Kevin Kruger Radio Show right here on ESPN Las Vegas.